stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Hey, it's showtime, everybody. It is episode 215 of the Brave Maker Podcast and Live Show. My name is Tony Gaffestone. And my pronouns are he, him, his. I'm an actor. I'm a screenwriter and a director. I'm coming at you from Redwood City, California, where I live and have my studio. I'm going to do my inclusive description. I am a Caucasian man with yellow glasses and lots of gray in my beard. And I'm in a black t-shirt, brown hair with my Brave Maker pink logo behind us in this faux green and black and white striped studio that's a lot i, I realize it's, it's, it's a lot to have to deal with so i hope you can handle that today uh i have guests today who are professionals in all sorts of ways when it comes to acting and directing uh they one of them has a podcast that i follow that has triple i think the amount of ours i think i said 215 i think they're like 600 plus we're gonna find out i'm a friend and a fan of Oren Kaplan and his wife, actress Kara Louise. Hello, welcome. Hey, how's Hi. it going? Can you hear us? I can hear you good? great. I can hear you great. I just realized, I hope I'm in the right setting for my microphone. And <laughs> yes, I am. Just making sure I'm not in my MacBook little speaker. But... All right, you two are sharing a camera and you get to do your welcome and physical description. So if you've never done it before, you just get to describe what you look like, what you're wearing for people who are listening on the go and can't see you. Okay, you want to go first? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Um, Hi, I am Kara Louise. Um, I am a uh, a petite-sized Caucasian woman with uh, medium-length dark hair. Um, I've got some very dumb-looking giant headphones on right now that are making a giant ring around my head. Uh, I'm wearing a gray sweatshirt with a little green emblem and I'm sitting in a pink chair in front of a giant light and mirrored closet door. Yeah, it's a very bad idea to have a mirror behind you. Uh, For three years we've been working from home uh, and I've been working in this room and everyone can see if I'm wearing pants or not in the mirror, which is uh, quite the bummer. Uh, I'm Oren. I'm, you know, incredibly good looking. Uh, I'm wearing uh, a blue shirt. And pants. And pants. Uh, I'm also is it Caucasian. I don't know. Jewish. Yeah, there's some some debate right now about uh, ethnicities. Um, but uh, yeah, I got also very graying hair. Not that you have very graying hair, but mine, mine is. I do. I do. And uh, well, hey. Not excited about it. I think it brings, you know, you know, what is it, what does the the Jewish community say about gray hair? Is there something about wisdom coming with age and stuff like that? Do you embrace that? No, we're the one community that thinks <laughs> <laughs> the older you get, the less wise you are. We only, we only, yeah, we only listen to, you know, twenty-two year old tiktokers oh Mm -hmm. oh my gosh well thank you for being on the brave maker podcast i was uh kind of desperate and i put just a little one little what are they called i don't even know if they're called tweets anymore but i tweeted and i just said anybody want to x's i x'd i x'd i x'd owed x owed on the x and i said anybody want to be on the show and oren dm'd me and said if you see this text me (laughs) it will coordinate details so we did and i'm very glad thank you so much for being willing to do this you too i've got to hang out with Oren multiple times drink coffee chat i was on the show with matt karis i've never met you before but i hear about you a lot and i love that you're the type of wife like i am married to who will often say no to the things that i say and or request you want to bring your kids across the country no i don't on your shoot no so i can sit in the hotel room while you get to have fun no i don't i love that kind of stuff Oh wow! Let's, yeah, let's, that sounds really like a page right out of a recent conversation we had. It was like, gosh. would it be fun to come to Canada and bring the kids? And I only have to do this one tech scout. And I was like, actually, that sounds terrible. No, thank yeah. you. I'll see you when you get home. All Thanks. right, Kara, let's start with you because I need to hear. So you two are this, you know, actor, director, married couple. Let's just get right into it. The challenges, the highs, the lows of that. 
relationship and partnership? Because I know you get to use him when you have your self tapes. That's, that's got to be helpful, I think, or not. Let's let's hear it. What's your side of the story? Um, I think that Oren is my secret weapon. Yes, we met on a friend's short film many, many, many years ago, 16 years ago, something like that, 16, something, uh, 16, Feels 17. Like Feels like yesterday. Feels like yesterday, 16 mm. years ago. Um, but uh, so we we met uh, working together, and that was kind of the, the start of it. He was a camera operator. Or no, you were, I'm sorry, you were the DP that day. Yeah, okay. both. Okay. Operated um, my own camera. He operated on camera. Um, so that's kind of where it started. And then one of the things, like when we first started dating, we just like, we worked together a lot. We'd had a lot of ideas and we did, I don't know, funny music videos or I don't know. Yeah. We do all that Disney stuff. Viral videos. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you know, your wife is not in the film business. Wants nothing to do with the film business. Nothing. Yeah, I think you could go either way. You know, a lot of people will, whatever advice you want to hear is what you'll hear. A lot of people say don't date someone in the business because, uh, you know, maybe they'll have a stable job or in career. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm a little bit more in the other camp where I think if you are with someone that understands the schedule is crazy and you might have to fly somewhere all of a sudden or spend your entire vacation working on a pitch or film an audition in between the funeral and the wake, you know, uh, on an iPhone in a basement real quick. Uh, it's, it's helpful when we know that we need to cover for each other a lot. And also with kids and a family and all that stuff, we do have, we're both freelancers. So we do have these kind of flexible schedules, which helps our life, uh, and helps us cover for each other a lot. Um, I've heard a lot on the it, podcast about that from him. Like just how you, weren't you just recently in Israel, like over the summer and you had to ditch the pool and go do a pitch or something like that. Is that true, Kara? Yeah. There's, a, there's many a times, um, where we'll be in the middle of like, I don't know, a holiday dinner or we're on a vacation and Oren ducks off to go do a pitch meeting mm -hmm. and I'll be furious about it, but understand. And then yeah. the next day I'll get an audition and we have to film my audition in a farmhouse in Italy while we're celebrating <laughs> his 40th birthday. And, yeah. um, yeah, so it's, we, we understand what needs to happen. Like for this career, you have to be willing to almost mm -hmm. drop everything. And I think before kids, we would, we would drop everything. We would give up vacations. We would do that. But now we have two kids. And so, mm -hmm we hold things a little more precious. Like there might be some booking out happening, right? We might say, I'm actually not available on this day because I'm taking my kids to Disneyland. Um, and it's different. I think Oren has a little bit more flexibility. Mine is a, acting is a little bit more like you're just gonna, you know, you have to drop it at a whim and, and do an audition. But it's helpful. I mean, it, we work together as a team a lot and I have never booked a self-tape audition that Oren hasn't uh, taped. I've never booked from anyone else or at any of those taping studios. It's always, it's him because he knows me the best. I also watch a lot of auditions. So I have a lot of thoughts on things that are important and not important. And a yeah. lot of times they don't quite line up with what Kara thinks is important. <laughs> like I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, you're Tony's an actor too, obviously. So you put yourself on tape many times. And you're also a director, so you've seen many people on tape. Uh, one of the things that people do, you know, for those that don't know, is you put a slate at the beginning of your audition. You say, hey, um, Tony, I live uh, in Redwood City or whatever city you live in. And I, uh, you know, whatever, vaccinated, whatever they want to know, right? I'm this tall or whatever. Um, and so Kara, for the longest time, would be like, hey, Kara, 5'2", uh, uh, live in Los Angeles. And I, I would really be like, Kara, you should, you don't want to make it long. You don't want to be boring. You don't want to waste people's time. But it's nice if you're kind of nice in your slate. If you're like, hey, how's it going? It's I'm Kara. I'm five foot two. I live in Los Angeles. Sorry, five four, and I live in Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Like just, just that tiny bit of warmth is not, it definitely will never hurt you in an audition. Um, but if you seem kind of disinterested, mm -hmm. from what I've learned as you know, someone that is trying to sell myself all the time, 
it really helps when people think you're interested, <laughs> whether it's you. Like that the one bit he's like the best thing I've ever brought to Kara's career is how to do a better slate. No, yeah, like <laughs> an example of something that as an actor you would have no perspective on, and probably what you hear from a lot of other people. I, I, I don't know why I did not hook up two microphones for this interview. I have like ten oh, microphones. You, I'm feeling very. Do yeah, that. We're fighting over the microphone. Um, uh, I just think that as an actor, you're always taught like, don't waste their time. Don't, don't, you know, come in, yeah. you can say hello yeah. and then just go, go, go. And it, while that is true to some extent, it's also just nice to get some warmth. Um, yeah. Like that quote you just quoted. I don't know who you quoted, but whoever that person is, it's very smart. That is Amy, our producer who's in London right now. I wasn't sure if she was going to show up, but she's in the back end. So thank you, Amy, for doing our quotes today. She's on vacation celebrating her 18 year old's. 18th birthday uh but that's great i love that thank you Amy. happy birthday okay yeah so uh, not that i want to create any more marriage tension but how do you when you know you have creative differences or let's say kara you know you're like actually this is my creative choice or i really want to emphasize this element of the take if it's an audition how do you deal with those kind of things as, as a couple or Anything else you want to say about the challenges of being married to, to you know, as two people in the industry? Because I think that's an interesting thing you all bring. So um, let's say we've had a full day. I get an audition and we just, there's no other option. We have to shoot it at 10 p.m. at night. And Oren's been in meetings all day. He's been pitching all day. He's exhausted. And I come in with an attitude and I'm like, we got to do my audition. And he's like, okay, great. He's always, he always so happy, always so warm. Like, sure. And I'll come in, I'll say, okay, so I'm going to, this is the character and I'm going to do it X, Y, and Z. And I have this perspective and, and let's do it. And he'll be like, okay. And so then I'll do it. And Oren will be like, really trying to like act, like give me everything he's got. And then I might say, can you just like not look at me right now? Could you just look at the ground? He'll be like, yeah. okay, I'm trying to help. I'm like, you're making faces. So I yell at him a lot. I sound, I mean, look, this is honest. I sound terrible, but like, I feel really can like one, I feel strong in my choices and I will ask him if something, or if like, I see his face, like I'll do a take and he'll be like, okay. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? He'll be like, what? well, that's, that's fine. But like, you just like would never talk like that. I'm like, that's exactly how I talk. We have these fights. And then he'll say, well, what if he'll give me a suggestion? And I'll say, fine, but I don't think that's going to work. And then and she books it nine times out of 10, it doesn't work. And my way was right. And I book it. But, um, but we do like, I bicker at him a lot. And he is like this wall of like positivity. Like he's just, he is my favorite director of all time because uh. he will, he's like so gentle. He like lets me have it out. If I need him to look at the ground, he does. If I need something from him, he does that. He gives me suggestions and options, but well, this is digging into the vault from here. Um, but he, he also gives me a little bit of guidance and I like that he can just be like, that's not you. And if he says that, I know I'm like, I have to relent. I'm like, Oh, that's right. So there's a lot of anger on my side. And then afterwards it's me saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was like that. Thank you. And then I booked that job. So that's a little that. challenging. I, I expect a lot more of him, I think, than he expects of me. Is that true? I'm probably unfair because I'm more emotional. I need more attention. <laughs> I'm an actor. Well, you're an actor. I wish we I need to talk about fragilities are the, the, the fragile hearts of actors in a minute. But Oren, would you like yeah. to respond to your wife there? Yeah, no, I think when she gets an audition, I get very excited about it. I, I enjoy directing and I enjoy working on scenes and it's there's so little stress because we're not figuring out angles and schedules and lighting and everything we just have our you know audition set up here at the house which I think is a pretty good setup uh and so I, we know like technically everything is gonna like look and sound great and then we just get to to me there's like two things we think about one is what's like this great performance you know how can Kara embody this character but two it's what are all the other actors thinking and how can you bring something uniquely you to this audition? So that's a lot of times like Carol do like a really great read. It'll be exactly like what you pictured uh, when you 
Sorry. The, what made me the, famous. The videos that are on screen <laughs> while we're talking are, are cracking us up. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe not this video. Maybe some not politically correct things. Um, but uh, the uh, like, I, I but I, I feel like, oh, well, you, you know, you did this performance, but if someone that has a million followers on Instagram does this same performance, or if uh, like the producer's niece did the same performance, you know, like then like what's, what's your advantage and how can we find a version of this where they're like, Oh wow, I did not expect that. Um, and that can be in drama. It can be in comedy. It can be in anything. So we always are like, like we do, I think the version that you would expect, like, Hey, we need a mom who's crying cause she lost her kid or whatever. And she'll do that. And then we'll do the version where it's like, Oh, but maybe, when you see this one thing or you hear the phone ring and you just for a moment think there's hope, you know, like we try to find a kernel of something original that we can bring to the audition. And Kara's like amazing. And I'm giving away secrets here, but you know, a lot of actors do buttons at the end of their audition, which is great. It's fun, especially in comedy, you know, leave them with something funny. But as a director, I know many auditions, we don't make it to the end of the audition. Right. So, yeah. Um, we, but we always see the beginning of the audition. So one thing that Kara is really amazing at is finding some opening business. Uh, you know, the, like a, a famous thing is like, if you're a, a server at a restaurant and the crew from law and order comes to interview you about some crime, like, are you, you know, clean, cleaning off the silverware or putting away, like moving dishes or doing all sorts of things. There's some comedian that, that makes a joke of like, if I was working in a restaurant and the police came to question me about a murder, I would not be <laughs> polishing silverware. I'd be like, uh, what knife. are you guys talking about? Um, but in, in TV shows and movies, like there's when people do business, they feel like they're characters that exist outside of the scene mm. and this audition and that their life didn't just start as soon as, you know, the police officer walked in to the yeah. restaurant. And so that's like a, another thing that that Kara's really amazing at, and I've learned from her how important that is. Um, and as a director that watches a lot of, of auditions, I I just love it when an actor is already in the scene before the scene starts. You know what yeah. I mean? That's really great. Okay, so that's leading me to want to talk about advocating for yourself as as an actor. I teach acting here with Brave Maker, and we do these audition things. So that's a really great little kernel of wisdom to get actors to be thinking about what they can be doing right off because you're right a lot of them don't get to the end you know casting directors or directors might not even see the end and how clever you were so that's a really good nugget but let me say when you you book something Kara and you're on set uh we've been having a lot of conversations around advocating for your best takes or advocating for the, the best space for you to do your best work. You know, uh, crew gets loud. I've been doing a lot of stuff lately. I'm just recognizing like as an actor, how I just need more quiet. Could you all just talk a little quiet? And that's, you know, the AD's job, et cetera. Like if it's not happening, how do you navigate that? How do you make sure you feel like you're getting your best? And then I also want to hear on the other side, I've just been having conversations with actors about how do they sway a director to choose that take potentially because they don't like what they see the director has chosen jump in, in there wherever you okay like. well i have a, just a question you don't like what they've chosen in the edit correct okay okay yeah. so um one of the ways i advocate for myself on set is when i show up on set i am so prepared i have rehearsed. I know my material. I know my character, right? So I'm already set up to like, let all my nerves go. Like I am ready to like do the work and you have that. And then the technical part, you come on set and it's all where to stand and how to do this. Now let's say some of those pieces don't work. And I feel like I wanted, maybe I, I didn't, I was thinking of, or looking at the lights when I was doing my take and I know like I wasn't in it. Most often I feel like the directors are tuned in and I really do trust my director to know that I am giving the best performance and getting the performance that they need. And mm -hmm. if usually it's the case, I'll give something and 
sometimes it's confusing. If it's like, let's go again. You're like, was it me? Do you want to see that same thing? Or do you want to, was it a camera? Um, but let's say I'll do a take and it's like, good, we got that. And then I'll say, hey, you know, um, in the audition, I did it these three different ways. Do, do you want to get a little more playful? Like I've got some other version. Like, yeah, like let's try, let's try that way now. So I will bring it up. Sometimes I'll say that even before when I worked on Big Bang Theory, um, I had two very different reads for the audition. One was very straight and one was like very filled with attitude. Okay. And like, and I got on set and, um, Chuck Lorre is who auditioned me and the director was not in the room and the director had a different perspective of the character. So um, Mark Sandrowski was his name. So when I came on set, I was nervous. I didn't know what character. So I'd asked him before I even stepped on set, what version of this character do you want to see? Um, and I think at that point, when I'm doing my performances, I'm just giving it my all. And if the director's like, we got it, we're moving on. I need to trust that. And trust, yeah. I don't ask to look at the footage. I don't ask to see what I look like because you know what? If I look at that, if I look at the playback, I'm like, my nostril was flaring weird, like in that one way. Or like, why did I do that thing with my eye or I'm moving my head? Like I start to pick my appearance apart, not necessarily my performance. Um, so yeah. And if there is an issue, I feel like there is an issue. I would pull the director aside and I'd say, I didn't feel great about that. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't feel great. Or if like you were to your point, I was working on a commercial recently with a director, Vincent Pioni, who's the first director that I've met who reminded me so much of Oren. I was like, I love this guy. Um, and <laughs> not too much. I, not too much. Not, not too much. Just enough. Just enough. Um, I had a very challenging, wordy uh set of lines that I was saying, and they were all tongue twisters. And it was first thing in the morning. And I had just had steroid shots, uh, in my arm for having laryngitis. So not only was I like losing my voice, it was tough. And I just could not get the words out. And I was so stressed. And then I heard some background actors, um, they were giggling, um, at me and at the situation. Cause it was funny, but I just quietly turned around and I was like, Hey guys, this is really hard. Could we just like mm -hmm. give me a beat? I'm like, could I have a cup of tea, please? Have my tea, had my moment. And then we got the line. And afterwards I said, Vincent, I did, did we get that? I was, I'm sorry. It took me so long. And he was like, whatever this thing is that you are obsessing about right now is not real. It was great. And I'm like, okay, great. That's um, cool. And then in the edit, you know, I just heard yesterday it was, um, I don't know, on film week or something, but it's like, there's, you know, it's the, it's the actor's performance. It's the director's directing. It's the editor's edit. Like all three of those people are very important um, when it comes to your performance. And I don't think I've ever seen an edit where I felt like it wasn't a great, I mean, I've loved more performances more than others, but if there was if there was an issue and I'm seeing an edit and there's an issue, it's probably too far past for me to even change that. So I would just say, well, this isn't going to go on my reel, but it could go on my resume. Yep. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm going to send this to somebody because I have had the requests of changing things like months after. And, you know, I like to work with actors because I am an actor and I'm like, I'll try to do whatever I can. But then you get to the place of where I think you just hit it for me. Oh, this is an issue of trust or or it's just an issue of self-hatred and critique and judgment on the actor's part like they can't look at this and not feel great about it because they're really in their head and they felt like the other take was better and that's really hard and so i really think that's something for actors to work through and if you can't look at it you can't watch it i've heard so many people mostly it seems like well-known actors who like they don't watch their work ever i'm like wow that's that's pretty big to well, never watch your work and this not to hammer it home about our audition um relationship with orin and i but i when we do a take and i feel it and he's like that was good i don't even watch it yeah. i don't because i have just gotten to that point where i don't want to pick i don't want to pick it apart like i felt it in my body and you know if you felt it in your bones you're like then that was the take 
And that was, that's life. That's reality. Whatever you look like, however you said that, whatever thing your eye was doing, you're a normal person. And that's like, you know, and, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And as audience members, we're not necessarily looking at those things Mm -hmm. unless we're bored, unless we're trying to find things. I'm not looking at your eye. I'm like in the moment. If it's good, I'm in the moment. Director Oren, do you want to respond to these challenges with actors and sometimes their own critique or requests in the process? Sure. So I've been directing for about 15 years. Uh, I don't think I've ever had an actor ask me to change a take in, in an edit that's done. I've worked with actors where they've been partners, you know, Karen and I have done things together. And mm-hmm. if the actors in the edit, obviously we're debating takes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when Kara does auditions, she does watch back a lot of her auditions. So I think Kara did say one thing that I, I want to just extract on a little bit, which is she said she doesn't like to watch herself because she'll get too self-conscious or whatever, or think about unimportant things. But I do think that's like a luxury of an experienced actor. Mm-hmm. I'm not an experienced actor and I've been making these video pitches recently and I had to do one recently that had to be 60 seconds long and I, I had a lot of stuff to cover. So I, I had a teleprompter set up and I was going so fast and my my head was just shaking back and forth and I did not at all realize I was doing it. So I do think it's so important to watch, especially like the first few years of your acting career, to watch your own auditions and your own takes because a lot of people have this tendency to move back and forth, to like clap their hands together. There's like a stillness that's really hard to find uh, as a new nervous actor. And it's really a lot of, about letting go of those nerves and trying to be natural, but also being fast yeah. and hitting your marks and getting the timing right. Uh, and so I hope, I just don't want people to take away from what Kara said that you should not watch yourself act. Uh, it's not that. It's when you're on set, you don't want to get in your head about these hiccups, um, like you said, you had with Vince. I had an acting teacher once take tape, mm. tape, and put it on my head because I had so much movement in my forehead. And then I was still like moving the tape. One, I was humiliated um, also by this. Please don't do uh, that. Don't do and it. then he came over and like put his his hand on my head to try and still my head. And like all that left me with was like humiliation. I had another like my acting mentor Mm. the late stan kirsch he was like that's like why would anyone do that to you he was like no find it stillness find stillness find it within it will show in the face and it's like and that's how it ultimately happened but um but yeah so i i did do a lot of watching you're right at the very beginning i did now i'm at that stage where i need to let some things go and and i and it's it's served me to do that I am a very expressive talker. I'm Italian. I am always, my hands are moving. I do a lot of these type of things. I do a lot of public speaking and I'm so aware and self-conscious as an actor. I have to really pull that in and like find ways to get my body. Like I have these little tricks, you know, where I can feel it in my stomach or I'm, you know, TMI clenching my butt cheeks so that I remind myself to just, listen and be still and when i'm delivering my lines not be all like you know like the goomba from you know chicago little italy kind of thing which is where i'm from uh but yeah i think it does it takes time and you also need people i love hearing your acting coaches and mentors although sorry about the the shaming Uh, i'm I'm trying to figure out like yeah how do uh, how do i instruct actors as a director and i would love to hear your your responses on this in ways that lift them up that don't get them in their head, right? Because I've been a director for quite some time as well, but I have been an actor for longer and I have had directors say so many things that I'm like, I don't even know what you want right now. I'm so confused that I'm I'm like in my head, I don't even know what to do. I need to like take a walk around the block. What's some good practices for directors to work with actors to not get them in their head or confuse them? Yeah, honestly, it's the hardest part of directing. The hardest part of directing is when you're on set and the performance isn't working. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the biggest way to avoid it is through casting. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's why I like to cast. Unfortunately, I do a lot of non-union shoots, but when I do like a, I love shooting, working with SAG actors because they're established, they're experienced, they've all taken classes, they've all been in other things. And... Um, they can 
work with directors uh, and they understand how to act. And I remember Frances McDormand said once, she's married to one of the Cone brothers, uh, and she said that a director's job isn't to figure out how to get a performance out of an actor. That's an actor's job. A director's job, she said, is to to figure out how the shots fit together to tell a story. And I always thought that was really interesting because that's what I've noticed. Like anytime I get a chance to cast Kara, it's just amazing because <laughs> I, I think of good actors as not, you know, the people that I'm directing on set. I think of them as collaborators. And with an actor like Kara, especially since I know her so well, we can be on set and we can do a scene and I can say, ah, I just, if there's something either that feels inauthentic about that, or I just feel like, like, why are you walking to the sink? Like, can we find a reason? Um, or like, is there a way that can be a little funnier and we'll work together to kind of find that, figure that out. And whenever I work with like really pro actors, I did this movie with Lori Laughlin and, um, I remember there were sometimes scenes where we just, the, the script was, you know, it was a, a made for TV movie. It wasn't uh, the best script ever written. And sometimes we would just sit there and I'd be like, she'd be like, what do you think? And I'll say, I don't know. I feel like it could be a little bit more interesting, you know, or more exciting. Like, and we would literally just talk about some things we can try. Um, and, you know, earlier on, you talked about actors advocating for themselves and, and it's tough, you know, you're kind of at the, mercy of the director and the AD and the producer and the schedule and the budget and all those things. But I think if you're a good, attentive director, like one thing I do at the end of takes, I'll be like, Oh, that was awesome. What'd you think? Or something. Or like, that was great. Let's move on. And if an actor's like, okay, like I will instantly be like, wait, did you not, did you not like that? And they're like, well, I felt like I messed this little thing up. And I said, and I'll say, you know, it didn't seem messed up to me, but if you want yeah. to do another take, I'm like all for it. Like, I want you to feel like, I don't want you to go home tonight and feel like you messed up in some way, 100%. even though I think, I think it works. Uh, and so to me as a director, it's just the sensitivity and just having a conversation and knowing that you don't have all the answers. And I had the same problem and I probably still have it a little bit that every new director has, which is just giving 20 notes, you know, on a take, like, you know, on that word, when you say, uh, like, when did you get here? Like, what if you're like a little more excited? Like, when did you get here? You know, but it's like one line in the middle of a long monologue. And then you're just starting to give all these insane notes. Uh, so I do try to find just the thing that I'm missing and to translate it to some, you know, action verb. So like if it if because I work in commercials, a lot of times I need to find motivation for actors to talk faster and move faster because I have a 15 second limit or a 30 second limit. And I'll say like, uh, you know, let's do that again, but it's, you really have to go to the bathroom or, or whatever, you know? So just, just get it out because you got to go pee or, or let's do a version as if, um, like a lot of times people just aren't like energetic enough. Like, Hey, uh, like you see that guy in the back, like that grip standing against the back wall over there, like talk to him, you know, in the next take so that you're kind of projecting, like, let's hear you yell. A lot of times whenever you're shooting crowd scenes, everyone is silent, you know, on set. You have like 50 extras that are all saying nothing. And so you want to try to get the actors that are giving the speech to be louder because in post, you're going to be adding all sorts of like crowd sounds and stuff. And so I, I find that's like, you know, those really simple things of just like, just, you know, yell it to the person across the room are really easy to act type of directions. Orin is, um, Orin's the one who told me many years ago, we were watching, it was back home, very early days. And we had a, um, an actress friend, Jamie Silberhartz, who it's like, she would just get the most basic line or role and just something about her. Like she would just elevate it so much. Like everything she said was just so good. And I was asking Orin, I was like, what is it like about Jamie that makes her such a good actor he was like because she takes something and she makes it better and I think that comes back to how I we're talking about we're squeezing our butt cheeks we're trying to get the nerve we're trying to take the energy many acting coaches along the way have said to me you are enough you are enough. The character that you are bringing, the person you are bringing to set, you are enough. And I know when I get onto a set, I have won, right? I beat so many people 
to get there. Like whatever I brought was the special sauce that they wanted. And so I get really excited by trying to take whatever they gave me and to make it better. Like Oren said, by adding a button, by adding, you know, maybe I'm saying a line, but I, the entire time I'm saying it, I've made the choice that uh, my character has something in their eye or, um, you know, creating environment. Like I just, you do all the time is it, uh, just one of your moves is you always have a glass of wine and like I love a drink. I love yeah. a drink. Sure. I love a throwing the napkin over the shoulder or doing something. Uh-huh. But but I I think that's how I I try to bring myself. I try to know that like even if I get nervous and even if this weird accent I've come up with like starts like wavering that like the what I am bringing to the table is what made the director choose me in the first place. And that kind of gives me a sense of peace and a little freedom to feel like I can play. The imposter syndrome is so hard. Even when you know you beat out all those people, it's like, you're thinking, I'm going to frick, I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to flub. They're going to fire me. It's like, you just got to own it. I'm here. And I think as actors too, like the comparison trap that, you know, we're never good enough, pretty enough, handsome enough, tall enough, muscular enough, whatever enough. But it's like, no, your sound, your the shape of your nose, your height, like whatever, like we need these characteristics on screen. And sometimes it's so hard to like, I'll speak for myself, for me to believe that's the case. Like my beer, I just auditioned for something that we want a significant beer that was in the casting. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna try to grow it and pull it out, you know, so it looks more significant. You know, it's just like, whatever, you just gotta do it and just hope for the best. And if you don't hear back, then it wasn't significant enough and that's fine, it's not yours, you move on. (laughs) I think also, again, talk about like when you get on set or in your auditions, it's like, you know what's gonna set you apart is by being technically Uh, sound is by like knowing the technique of what you're doing, knowing when you're doing multicam, where you're standing, how you're supposed to do the setup and the punchline of the jokes. What is your purpose there? What if you are a co-star, what is your purpose? You are the punchline for that joke. What camera should you be looking in? Like, I feel like those sorts of things, I kind of like can't get in my head so much because I'm more concerned about like, I'm not going to hit my mark mm-hmm, or I'm not mm-hmm. going to be looking at the right camera or whatnot. So sometimes it's just, you have to let those other things just take over and you're like, whatever they liked is in here. And I've got to just stand on my mark and turn this way now and do this and make sure that I don't mess up this take. That's what <laughs> they don't teach in acting school so much either. Sorry, Oren. the, 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 the technical stuff of it. It's like doing all this prep, having so many choices and variations for my one line or whatever, but then you also have to hit your mark and have the lav on you and make sure your hair and the wardrobe and everything. It's so much and acting schools, you know, like can only go so far. You've got to get on set and you've got to get that experience. So go ahead, Aaron. Aaron. Yeah. Kara's done a lot of multicam sitcom type of work, which is, you know, it can be really intimidating because you're going onto a show that maybe is in the fifth season and everyone knows each other so well. And the main cast like knows each other. Everyone's been doing this a hundred times, you know, and they work yeah. five days a week, right? They're rehearsing, they're doing all this stuff, rewriting, and you're just a guest uh, and you get to be there for one week to be part of the team. And I think sometimes Kara gets like a little bit nervous about, unsure is what, if, what, if she did a good job or not. And I always tell her, you know, especially with the technical stuff, I'm like, just, just face the light, <laughs> just let the light hit your face and open up to the camera and like Good. everything else is just, you know, do do the lines. Well, you had mentioned earlier about uh, what do I do if there's a crew member in my eyeline? Like on multicams, I am so grateful to see a crew member in my eyeline uh, because yeah. it means that, hi, my name's Joe and I'm your camera. You just got to look right here, you know? So it's like I that was on Connors when I recently, thank God the director was used to working with children because I kept stepping off of my mark because I was... I was unsure I had to make this turn and the keys and I'm catching this thing. And he was like, all right, Kara, we're going to need to turn right back around. You're going to stay right there, right there. And Joe was like, hey, Kara, we're right here. So I'm like, okay, I needed those reminders. But yeah, so when if if I see a crew member in my eyeline, I'm like, you're here to help me, right? I like it, yeah. Let's talk with our remaining minutes about specific experiences you've had on set, both of you. By the way, did you you get to meet Shelly Dennis on set of the Connors by any chance? One of the writers? Gosh, I don't know. I was, um, well, maybe. 
I don't know all the writers. I did have one writer sit next to me and we were going through and we read the lines and after, and she was like, did that make sense to you? And I was like, well, I feel like it would make a little more sense if I said it this way. And she was like, oh, and then they changed it. Oh, that's awesome. I noticed she liked the post and I've had her on the show. I met her on the picket line at Universal and we hung out and we're doing something together next year with Brave Maker. I was like, oh, one since you said that, like, oh, she probably Oh, cool. I probably did. I'm sure we've crossed paths. Well, let's jump in. You've had a lot of set work and done TV and film and you were in The Criminal with Aubrey Plaza, which I love that movie. That was awesome. Uh, Let's hear some of your just kind of highlights of your career, like what you have done, who you have worked with and why, like what stands out to you? Wow. Some of the highlights of my career. Um, I can feed them to you if you want. Here, what are they? What are they, Oren? What are they? What are her highlights? I'll give you a few to choose from and you can elaborate. Okay. So she was on Hacks, two seasons of Hacks oh, so far with Jean Smart. Yes. She was on Criminal Minds with, um, what's her name? That actress we watched on Jean Big Triple Love, Horn. Jean Triplehorn. Triple uh, and then also she was on this show called Disaster Date on MTV for two seasons, which is the most insane show ever. And all of my favorite Kara acting stories come from that show. So disaster. Those are, those are the three. So disaster date. Was that? It wasn't a reality show. It was scripted. It, yeah. No, it was a reality show. Yeah. Uh, well, it was. It's it, like punk. It's, it's like, like punk. Yeah. Oh, um, fun. So definitely, the highlight of my entire career has been working on hacks. Um, I am so grateful to be a recurring character. I play um, the QVC host, Katie, and. I work opposite Jean Smart in every single scene. And that was, that came from a very small audition that I did a lot of improv in. And um, it's been amazing to work with Paul and Lucia and Jen, the creators of the show. Um, They're also directing the episodes. They have been, um, They've been really supportive. They're really fun. We do a lot of improv on set. Gene is, oh, look at Nelson was in that show. He's a dad in our kids' preschool class. Um, but that, that's that been the highlight, just working on such a big show. And I got to do a table read at an Emmys event and go to some fun parties. And that really feels like such a reward to have a tiny role in multiple episodes on a really big show. Um, with really good actors with and really good writing, incredible actors and writers and the whole crew, and um, that's that's been an amazing highlight. Um, I did work on physical early this year, and as my side hustle is, I'm a Pilates instructor. So um, working uh, as a fitness instructor on physical was also um, really fun. Let's hope they bring me back <laughs> in my, a very small part. My intern's aunt is the showrunner of Physical. I've been trying to get her on the show. So, oh, yes. Super cool. Good. Well, let's have me back. We'll insert That's myself right. into more put episodes. A good word. So, Tommy, mm-hmm. talk to your aunt about Kara. There we yeah. Go. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I love hacks. I, I don't know what you feel about this. You must love it, I'm assuming. But I love shows about the industry. Like, I just think anytime I can watch something about film, you know, stand-up comedy, TV, like, I just love it. I, I did my whole, my feature film was about that idea of an actor trying to break in as a screenwriter, like, because that's been my journey. And I think there's just something so interesting. I know a lot of people don't like it, but Hacks is, like, you just haven't seen that before. And I just, I love it. I love all the agent stuff. I love all of the quirkiness and the pitching. It just... I just feel seen when I watch that show. So it that's taps cool. taps in to a lot, of, a lot of different people. And Oren's mom really likes it because it shows that a woman over 50 is not dead. Yeah. You know, that they still have passions and careers and, um, you know, autonomy as, uh, as human beings. So, um, yeah, that's been a great show. And, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, let's see. I started off in the in the MTV world. I started off doing hidden camera prank shows. And so I like to be able to say, hey, my roots are in being an absolute jerk to people on hidden camera shows. She was, so she was literally on a, this show called Jerks with Cameras, where they would, they, they did, she did this one thing where she 
uh, she was just had her car parked on the sidewalk and she would wait for random people to walk by and she'd be like, Hey, do you mind helping me carry something from my car up the staircase to my apartment? And they'd be like, you know, usually like guys and they'd be like, uh, yeah, of course. And you know, she'd open her trunk and she'd pull out what very much seemed like a dead body wrapped up in duct tape. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and it just, and she, you know, you have to, she has to improvise everything. And Disaster Date was sim- similar. They, it was a hidden camera show. She would go on dates with these people. And just the the mechanics and logistics of that show were so insane about how to convince someone they're going on a, like a lunch date without them knowing that they're on a TV show while you're filming them from every angle. Uh, is It's amazing. Like some of, some of those things really. I'm going to look that up. That sounds fun. I, I like laughing at like one of my favorite all time laughing uh, when I just feel down, I will YouTube models on runways tripping. Like, I don't know why I just <laughs> like that. Like that's my ultimate. There's this one where the, this model has a, a flowering flower, flower can watering can with some flowers. And she's got these huge high heels and she's walking and she's wobbling for a good, like 20 <laughs> seconds trying not to fall. And there's a version where a newscaster is watching that, trying not to, to laugh on broadcast live TV. Oh my gosh. That will get me almost peeing my pants. So that's great. Or you've worked with a lot of celebrities. The last question before we uh, end the show, uh, and I've heard you talk about this on your podcast. Um, just working with people who are, you know, well-known uh, beyond you in a way that could make you feel small. What's sort of your tips and tricks? I mean, you've done the same thing, you know, Kara, working with, you know, Gene Smart. Like, just telling yourself these are other human beings, these are other artists. Like, how do you make it not awkward? I'd love to hear any tips or thoughts around that. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I try to do, I'm not always successful at it, but I try to treat celebrities like they're actors, you know, first and foremost. Uh, sometimes they're not. I've worked with a lot of athletes and stuff. Um, but when they are actors, you know, I did uh, this campaign with Rebel Wilson late last year, and I worked with Harrison Ford and a few other kind of awesome actors. And to me, it's just being really technical. Like, hey, how's it going? Here's the shot we're doing. This is what we're doing. This is why I did this. What do you think about this? It's going to be a close-up here. The light's here. The camera's moving here. I just try to make them like the problem when you work with celebrities is that everyone else, especially like I do a lot of commercial stuff. So all the people at the agency, all the creatives, they all like they, you get on a zoom with like 50 people when rebel Wilson and they're like, rebel, we love you. Congrats on your baby. We just saw this on Instagram. Oh my God. We're about this award. And they're just like, you know, they're being so nice. It's like hard to get to the substance of the conversation. And so I try to, do the opposite i'm like all substance like hey rebel thanks so much for doing this here's the plan you know and i'll pitch it to them like you do this and this what do you think like and then i'll try to you know get like a temperature check and also like hey i had these two ideas like either you like pick up this knife and throw it across or maybe you like lift up this flamethrower and shoot it out what do you think is like more in line with you and you know we talk a lot about the characters because because i do a lot of commercials a lot of times these people are playing themselves, but like heightened versions of themselves. And they'll they'll have really specific thoughts. Like I did this um, thing for Bush's Beans with Brian Baumgartner, who's famous. He was on The Office and he had this famous scene where he spills this giant pot of beans of chili on the ground. And he was really sensitive to not play his character from The Office. Mm-hmm. And of course, like everyone at the agency just wanted him to play this character from The Office. And that was a thing where I had to really be in the middle of those two things um, and try to, yeah, this uh, shot you brought on screen right now. Um, <laughs> I had to be like, find the comedy in Brian Baumgartner and not in his character and make sure it's funny enough and authentic enough and real enough that the agency folks who wanted the character from the office were happy with it. Um, and so to me, it's just like being honest and also, uh, saying like I worked I did this thing with Tim Meadows and they wanted him to improvise a lot and and they'd be like hey have tell Tim to say something funny at the end of the you know like give us a funny button but and and I was like Tim they're asking if like you can have a funny button he's like okay like about what (laughs) and he kind of challenged me to give him some some inspiration to go off of and not just to dump everything on him as like hey you're a funny person be funny yeah and so (laughs) 
you're the ones directing. You tell me what I'm supposed to do. Jeez. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So we kind of work together. Like in one scene, he's holding a phone. Like, oh, maybe you like see a funny cat video at the end. Maybe you can say something about that. <laughs> like, like a cat playing a piano or something. Um, and so, you know, we try to kind of find, I, I just try to treat them like professional colleagues, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, and if I happen to be like a fan, like Harrison Ford, for instance, he's like famously uh, curmudgeon-y, you know? And so we like leaned into that, you know? And mm-hmm. and I kind of encouraged him to be kind of mean to me a little bit um, in a way that he, he's very much in on it, you know? But um, but I, I kind of was like, hey, anything goes. Like, if you hate one of my questions, just tell me that, you know? Uh, and, and, you know, we, we think that, that there's a fun in that. If you agree, like, let's do that you know so cool and i know you also have to do these in really short amounts of time like sometimes you have two hours to get them in wrap them out you don't have a lot of time sometimes with these well-known figures so that's also kind of heightening the stakes on a commercial set which i always think is really interesting very cool yeah and the and the thing with um celebrities are kind of famous like i did this thing with jalen hurts who's like you know quarterback in the super bowl like people whose time is like so valuable and you're so kind of like quote unquote lucky to have them mm-hmm. is everyone is so afraid always like what, what if they they just get mad and they just leave set like oh i heard this person was upset at their last shoot and they they just left the set you know and 99 out of 100 times the reason that happens is because the film crew is not ready for them the wow. film crew is like moving a light or there's an issue with the camera or like the monitor's not up or like someone's not sure if they should use this prop or that prop. And so to me, when I'm working with people whose time is incredibly expensive, is I previs, I shoot samples, I do tests, like I make sure every single decision is made ahead of time. And I make sure everyone on the team knows like here, like, like we're not going to figure this out with them. They're not just going to have them on set and play around with it. We're going to have a very clear idea. And if they want to play and they want to give us more time, we'll take it. But if not, then we have a plan and it's like bulletproof. And Kara and I actually did something with Kellen Lutz, who is an actor. He played Hercules and he was in the Twilight films. And he, one of the things which was awesome about having Kara on that shoot, was like a campaign for Mr. Clean where he's auditioning to, to play Mr. Clean is that, Kara was just improvising with him and had so much fun with him. And obviously I know Kara so well, it Mm -hmm. endeared him, I think to us, like almost as a couple. And he ended up staying way past the hours that he um, was supposed to stay. And he even gave me a free pair of sunglasses. (laughs) By the way, I saw Kara, I saw you as the wardrobe lint, lint person in the rebel Wilson shoot. Oh yeah. And then there are those sag jobs that I'm like, this will go towards my insurance. Thank you very much. Try and try and get me in there. I love that. You lucky duo. Okay, cool. I know you have exterminators coming. So we have like two (laughs) minutes to do our brave faves, brave faves, TV shows, films, books, songs, technology, clothing, podcast, food, and more. These are a few of our favorite people, places, and things. Brave faves. My brave fave. My brave fave. It's just like, yeah, it's just like the unpaid endorsements that uh, you all do for the Just Shoot It podcast, which if you don't listen to the Just Shoot It podcast, you should check that out on any podcast app. Uh, How many podcast episodes do you have? So we just recorded 399 last night. Oh, so we'll be the next like one 600. is Okay, all right, cool. Four hundred. That's yeah. a lot. You're That's thinking of script notes. They're I'm they're half, like six you're eleven. Right. You're right. I'm halfway behind you. Okay, cool. All right, I love your show. I'm a big fan, and yeah, these are our favorite things of the week. Usually, uh, I usually am encouraging people to name anything, food, person, whatever. Today, I'm going to favorite the holdovers. Oh my gosh, I just saw it in the theater and it is a holiday movie which i knew nothing about i just knew that paul giamatti was in it and That's alexander Payne, right yes alexander Payne directed it it's got this throwback feeling i almost was describing it as like uh, home alone without all the slapstick or even like gremlins without the gremlins it has this 80s kind of film vibe to it and uh I would say couple this movie, if you are a film buff actor or filmmaker, with listening to the Variety podcast. I'm dropping another podcast, so, you know, listen to mine and Oren's and the Variety uh, podcast called the Award Circuit Podcast. 
uh, there's an episode with Divine, Divine Joy is her name, Divine. And she talks about this film and it was like a masterclass. So watch the film and then listen to the Variety Award Circuit podcast with Divine Joy Randolph talking about her role in The Holdovers. Wow, so good. Lots of awards, I think, are going to come toward this movie and and her especially. All right. What's your brave fave, Kara? Let's see. Well, I've got a TV show. I just finished The Diplomat nice. with Carrie Russell. Russell. Yep. And I was so into it, especially there's a big kick in um, world politics right now. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just felt like. I love Carrie Russell's acting and Oren saw he was like, can she just put some makeup on? I was like, it's her character. Uh-uh. It's like, she's supposed to look like that. She's all business. But um, I don't, it's hard for me sometimes to find a television show that I just like, but when Oren's off podcasting, I need something. And I just like tore through this and I, I really liked it. I, I aspire to, um, to have acting roles like this. I, I love Carrie Russell's career and I would love to, have my own diplomat at some point in the future (laughs) on netflix check it out that's great i think also watching other people do their craft is so freaking inspire inspiring and encouraging to us on our craft cool that's Mm -hmm. awesome thanks kara Mm -hmm. or what you got uh i'm just snack i think he always does chips i almost was gonna do i was gonna do a trader joe's snack by the way the the pomegranate like oh so good the the oh yeah just the kernels that you can get there no they're like the the uh, what do you call when you take all the de- the dehydrated pomegranates or something like that? Oh, mm. so good. Well, I'll I'll throw out a couple throwaways. I just tried the sour skittles for the first time. Those things are first r- time. You've never had sour skittle, or you've had sour skittles before? It's a new thing. You right? acted like they were they were uh, your uh, old uh, friends that you on Halloween. Today. Our daughter Winter got some, and I was like, "Ooh, I can't wait to try these!" And she ate the whole thing. <laughs> she, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I tried some the other day. I actually have them. They're so sour. It's <laughs> it's crazy. It's like, you know, when the first time you have you ever given a baby a salt and vinegar chip? You or know, like their, faces, yeah. their faces are crazy for like yeah. two minutes and then they want another one. That's like um, sour Skittles. Uh, also, the chocolate babka, apparently, that, that they serve at the JCC. Ooh, chocolate babka is it, so good. They, they were getting it from Shabbat these fancy... shalom, everybody. <laughs> the woman that runs it, she told me they were getting it from, like, these fancy bakeries, and now they just started getting it from Trader Joe's. It's, like, $7.99. <laughs> okay. And it's the one that everyone's going wild about. But uh, a film industry recommendation. Last night on my podcast, episode 399, I had this uh, director, filmmaker, Luke Corum, on. He... He directed this documentary feature called Delt about this blind magician, like a uh, card magician that is amazing. Um, and then he did oh, a show. I heard for about Showtime. this. Yeah. Did a show for Showtime, but his newest uh, doc feature is called Millie Vanilli. It's on Paramount Plus. It's about uh, the musicians, Millie and Vanilli, which I actually don't even think Millie Vanilli refers to them. But if you watch the documentary, you'll find out where that name comes from. But his whole pitch was we've all seen that headline oh millie vanilli scan you know exposed as lip syncers and it's a big scandal and then that's it it's like a blip in history and it's gone but he wanted to tell the human story of like you know if there was this album that was number one in like the whole world uh and you know these guys like won a grammy i mean it's it's crazy how successful overnight like they have more like their first album had more number one hits than justin bieber and like taylor swift combined um, there was, they were mega famous and they were lip syncing and he was like, who is actually singing? Why don't we know like any of the details of like how this whole thing came to be? And he found out that it was like this whole scam that this producer had been running over and over. And anyway, it's fascinating. It's on Paramount plus you can watch, uh, I think you get a seven day free trial, uh, if you go sign up and Millie Vanilli, check it out. So that's so good. And now people are doing that on TikTok and making millions of dollars, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. Lip syncing? Millie, Millie Vanilli Aren't are like, uh, yeah, we started that. That's right. I mean, don't people lip sync? Like, why is it cool now? And it wasn't cool back then. Yeah, I think Jimmy Fallon made a whole TV show about it. Like a competition. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you two have been fantastic. Thank you for jumping on. Uh, remind the peeps, the Brave Makers, where they can find you and follow you. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm at O Kaplan, O-K-A-P-L-A-N. And my podcast is at Just Shoot It Pod. And yeah, that, that's probably the best place. And I have a website, directedbyoran.com. 
You can find me on Instagram at at Kara Louise. And then you can find me at my website that goes directly to my IMDb page because I stopped mm-hmm. doing a website this year. So um, thank you for having us. K-A-R-A-L-U-I-Z. Very, very cool. Very happy for all of your success and happy holidays. We are in the Thanksgiving and the Hanukkah and the Christmas season coming up. So our podcast episodes will slowly go away. Don't go away, you two. Uh, thank you to our producer, Amy Cohen, who's in freaking London and was doing all the behind the scenes. So thank you, Amy, and our intern, Jessica, who just turned 18, who's going to be taking clips from today's show and putting them out on Instagram. So when you see Kara and Oren's little snippets, say hi to them and share them. If you are somebody who is a generous donor during these holiday times, Brave Maker is a nonprofit. You can become a donor from $5, $10, $50. It helps us pay our editor. We will take this audio and put it on all the podcast apps. Barnell Amos in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and our social media producer, Carrie Alley. So go to your website. Go to your website. Go to the web and go to bravemaker.com slash donate or just text the word bravemaker to 44321. That's text the word BraveMaker to 44321, and you can donate right from your phone. And not only does it not, does it help the podcast and all of our team doing all the things, but you also support the film festival that's coming up in July, our sixth annual film festival. You support the BraveMaker Academy, our screenwriters network that is empowering underrepresented and brave storytellers to get their films made. We would love you to become a part of the Brave Maker community, especially at the end of 2023 as we try to reach our budget goal. So thank you so much for watching and listening episode 215 with my friends, my fellow creators in Los Angeles, actress Kara Louise and director Oren Kaplan. Follow them and thank you so much for being on the show and watching Oren and Kara, I appreciate you. We'll be in touch, hopefully. Be able to uh, connect next time I'm in LA. Alfred's Coffee, that's my favorite. And I know you live right there. By the way, don't go away because I have a question for you or something to talk about Silver Lake because um, I have some things. I have some tea to spill about Silver Lake. Okay, so Ooh, don't go away. Can't wait. I know the exterminators are coming. I'll let you go soon. All right, everybody <laughs> else, uh, thanks so much. Brave stories change the world and you are the story. Bye, everybody. <laughs>